Hey folks, welcome to the Great Conversation Podcast. I'm Calvin Smith, your host, and this is where we discuss five big topics, the gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. Now, what we're gonna be covering here today is six things that you were likely taught happened very slowly that didn't. And of course, what I'm referring to is processes and effects that the story of evolution promotes um, as having taken a long time that have been debunked. So let's get into this. You know, as, as, as the saying goes, life comes at you fast and almost uh, ask anyone over 50 like myself and they'll confirm it. Okay. Because the average person that is of that age or older has seen a lot of people, places and things come and go during their lifetime. I mean, technologically, the last uh, 150 years, we've seen the advent of telephones, wireless communication, personal computers. And of course, all of this is now integrated and accessed via the internet, which was put into public domain. Uh, when was it? April 30th, 1993. And that's an invention that has fundamentally altered uh, the way we do life as we know it. See, people seem to forget that just 200 years ago, there were no trains, planes, automobiles, highways, Toronto, or even Canada. It's only been a little over 500 plus years since the Italian explorer Christopher Columbus officially introduced the Americas to, to Western Europe on October 12th, 1492. And of course, this paved the way for a massive influx of Western Europeans that formed brand new nations like the United States and Mexico with massive cities like New York and Los Angeles and Mexico. Many things we see around us have occurred faster than we sometimes imagine because we're so used to them. They didn't exist 500 years ago. Now, when discussing the topic of origins, however, most people seem to slip on a pair of glasses with long age lenses attached, which often skews their understanding of the past, which in turn affects their beliefs about the future, including their ultimate destiny. And from a young age, just like myself, most children attending state-run schools are taught that mankind has arrived at the tail end of a vast amount of time because of natural processes that occur slowly over millions of years. We're often taught through education and the media that oil, coal, rocks, and the, the fossils within them came into being very slowly. From gems found underground to the animals that we see wandering around, we often have the concept of deep time embedded in our minds from a very young age. However, when you take off those lenses and just look at the data unfiltered, we can understand that there's no reason not to trust the plain reading of God's word that says we're actually situated in a timeline that began roughly 6,000 years ago when God created the heavens and the earth. So let's look at six areas that we're often told are the result of immense, you know, epochs of time and see if we can't turn back the clock, so to speak, and see the world around us in a different light. So let's start with the poster boys of long ages, and that would be fossils. So number one is fast fossils. You know, nothing says long ages to most people, like the, even the mention of fossils with atheistic evolutionary groups actually selling t-shirts riffing, you know, we have fossils, we win emblazoned on them. And this kind of exemplifies the fact that for many people, the idea of the story of evolution occurring over vast ages is literally rock solid, right? 
proven by the innumerable number of fossilized creatures entombed in the sediments that we have all over the world. And all of which they have been taught demonstrate the history of life on Earth. However, the idea that fossils take long ages to form has been blown to pieces by new research, with evolutionists admitting that fossils can form incredibly fast. New experimental research showing it can occur in only one day. But even before this 2018 report, secular scientists had admitted before that that they'd observed fossilization occurring within hours. For example, way back in 1996, in his book 101 Questions About Dinosaurs, Dr. Phil Curry said the following in his, in his book. Fossilization is a process that can take anything from a few hours to millions of years. The amount of time that it takes for a bone to become completely permineralized is highly variable. If the groundwater is heavily laden with the minerals in solution, the process can happen rapidly. Well, <laughs> you have to wonder why, after having observed fossils form quickly, that someone would cling to the idea that they could occur over millions of years, because if it's soft tissue, it breaks down. If it's already rock, then it happened quickly. You see, it, it demonstrates the indoctrination into the evolutionary paradigm that scientists have been inculcated in. Even while the general public you know, thinks of them as unbiased truth seekers, only interested in facts. But the fact is, the fossil beds seen around the world are actually the record of the great judgment God proclaimed on a sin-filled world at the time of the great deluge recorded in Genesis 6-9, Noah's flood. And that occurred around 4,300 plus years ago, according to God's word. Okay, that's one. Here's number two. Speedy sediments are a surprise. Now think it through. Obviously, if fossils can form quickly, and if they're trapped within sedimentary rocks, then it stands to reason that rock layers themselves likely could form very quickly. And we see evidence of this all over the world. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, remains of trees and plants that extend through multiple layers, often several meters of, of sedimentary rock, they're called polystrate fossils. And these polystrate or many layered fossils extend through rocks, through rock layers that most evolutionists would have said occurred over hundreds of thousands to, to millions of years to create. But this doesn't make any sense considering that dead trees don't stand around for thousands of years waiting to be buried. Generally, dead trees dry out at the bottom, uh, at the top, rot at the bottom, topple over after a really short time, and they get devoured by decomposers. So to find them standing upright, fossilized with, with little or no signs of decomposition, suggests they were buried and fossilized very rapidly indeed, which means the meters of rock surrounding them must have also formed simultaneously. And such fossils can be found in Yellowstone Park and Joggins, Nova Scotia, uh, several coal beds in both northern and southern hemispheres and in many other places around the world. And these discoveries have forced more fair-minded evolutionary geologists like Derek Ager. He's the uh, emeritus professor of geology at the University College of Swansea to admit that sedimentation are, uh, must have occurred very rapidly. Here's, here's a quote from him. He said, we cannot escape the conclusion that sedimentation was at times very rapid indeed, and that other times there were long breaks in sedimentation. Although it 
looks both uniform and continuous. Now, notice that Ager admits the physical evidence points to rapid, uniform, and continuous sedimentation, and yet he believes there must have been long breaks in between, despite the fact that it doesn't look that way. Why? Because he believes in long ages. And so the millions of years have to be placed within that framework in some way, even if only in his imagination, but not because of the evidence. But of course, since Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, geologists have before and after observational evidence that stratified rock layers can accumulate in very short periods during catastrophic conditions, including one area where 25 feet of stratified uh, deposit uh, complete, turned completely rock hard, it accumulated within three hours. <laughs> so there's no longer any reason to insist that rock must have formed slowly in the past. Okay, that was two. Let's go to number three, rapid underground oil refineries. Um, if you do a quick Google search with keywords, you know, how long does it take for oil to form? Here's the two top articles and here's how they answer. How long does it take for oil to form? A minimum of about 50 million years. Most of Earth's oil was formed between 60 million and 250 million years ago. A small percentage of the oil was formed between 250 and 500 million years ago. Okay, so that's hit number one on Google. Second article, quote, it takes a significant amount of time for oil to form with the process beginning hundreds of millenniums ago, 65 to 541 million years ago. Okay, roughly the same area. Now these articles confirm what the majority of people, including scientists, believe today. The notion that oil and natural gas takes millions of years to form. And even though there have been numerous studies demonstrating that oil can be produced in days by converting sewage or, or, or in, you know, just showing it happening in, in just a few short years from, from coal. Critics have declared, well, these aren't necessarily natural processes, so they shouldn't be equated with what they believe to have created real oil. Okay. However, way back on February 2nd, 1982, the Australian Financial Review carried an article called Natural Oil Refinery Found Under the Ocean, referring to an area under the waters of the Gulf of California in the uh, Guaymas Basin, based off of an original New York Times piece called Divers Find Natural Oil Refineries. And the article stated this. The oil is being formed from the unusually rapid breakdown of organic debris by extraordinarily extensive heat flowing through the sediments, offering scientists a singular opportunity to see how petroleum is formed. So they're seeing it form in, in real time. They also said ordinarily oil has been thought to form over millions of years, whereas in this instance, the process is probably occurring in thousands of years. Hmm. So rapid formation of oil... Well, that, that simply isn't based on fanciful imaginations or under artificial conditions in some controlled laboratory experiment. It's been demonstrated for decades to occur under common natural geological conditions. So even not invoking the great flood recorded in the scripture, why would you believe it must take longer at other times? Okay, that was three. Uh, here's number four, gems in a jiffy. <laughs> 
quote, for at least 500 million years, an inland sea covered central Australia and silica laden sediment deposited around its shoreline 30 million years ago. Lots of silica was released into a solution which filled cracks in the rocks, layers in clay and even some fossils. Some of them became precious opals. It takes about five to six million years to make a one centimeter opal to mature. So says the Gem Story website, Australia's leading supplier of solid black opal and boulder opal, located in Surfer's Paradise in Queensland, Australia. Uh, but they might be surprised to know that less than nine hours drive via State Route 49, there's a, there's a fellow in Lightning Ridge in New South Wales named Len that grows opals in weeks. Uh, his name's Len Cram. He uh, has an earned PhD for a thesis on his opal research. He's likely one of the, if not the most, leading authorities on the subject of opals, and he's been making them since 1975. His work is so good and genuine that the opals he produces are indistinguishable from opals dug out of local mines that sell for hundreds of dollars. And as such, he's kind of kept his research private because he doesn't want to damage the opal industry. As a matter of fact, Richard Hughes, who's one of the world's foremost experts on ruby and sapphires. He's authored several books and over 170 articles, and he's a receiver of numerous gemology uh, awards. He recounts a praiseworthy conversation that he had with Len in an online article where he stated this. When I saw what he'd done, I asked the most natural question. What are you planning to do with your homegrown opals? Lenny just looked me straight in the eye and said, nothing. And after helping roll my tongue back into my throat, he explained why. He believed his stones can't be identified rather uh, than commercially producing a product that could destroy his industry. He would rather devote the rest of his life to building it up. He knows that if he tells people about this and, and he reveals that, well, you're not going to be able to charge hundreds of dollars for something you can make in a couple of weeks in, in, in your homegrown lab. Now, it should be noted that opals aren't the only precious gem that's been shown to be produced quickly, threatening their perceived value in the marketplace. As a matter of fact, uh, there was a January 2019 article titled Lab Grown Diamond Production Rises, But Prices Fall. See, if they're not perceived as old and rare, you can't charge as much. But all of this shows, once again, that there's no valid reason to believe in a millions of years explanation for these gems, for these, you know, dazzling and decorative stones. Okay, that was number four. Let's go to number five. Coal can accumulate quickly. Now, although some modern evolutionary coal geologists concede that specific coal deposits are better explained as deposited by flood, not the flood, just floods, most people outside the industry including scientists and laypersons alike, think that the coal must have formed slowly in swamps and are unaware of any other proposed mechanism for it to have happened. That's exactly what I read in all the dinosaur books and geology books when I was growing up as a kid. However, remember our hostile witness, Professor Derek Ager, I mentioned and quoted earlier, who admitted that sedimentation must have occurred rapidly sometimes? Well, he's also aware of large trees having been found buried upright in coal beds as well, which is why he said this. Quote, if one estimates the total thickness of the British coal measures at about a thousand meters laid down in about 10 million years, then assuming a constant rate of sedimentation, it would have taken a hundred thousand years to bury a tree 10 meters high, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, at least he's being honest. And it's for reasons like this 
that he and his other more well-informed evolutionary geologists yield to the possibility of rapid catastrophic processes being involved in coal formation in some circumstances. But is there observational evidence we've seen occur firsthand that can shed light on whether all coal beds we see around the world might have been created quickly? Well, there certainly is. And we actually alluded to it, uh, to that event just earlier when we mentioned Mount St. Helens erupting. Okay, because there's a tie in here. When the 20 megaton TNT equivalent blast from Mount St. Helens occurred, it devastated approximately 600 square kilometers, almost instantaneously. 60 meter Douglas fir trees were blown off their stumps, stripped of their branches, and as many as a million plus logs found themselves kind of unceremoniously dumped into Spirit Lake, which is situated beside the volcano. And because the root ends were thicker and denser, it caused many to float upright. Now, during subsequent years, an estimated 20,000 logs sank to the floor of the lake, many of them upright. And five years after the initial uh, eruption in 1980, scuba divers and radar equipment confirmed many were buried over a meter deep while others rested prone on the bottom, but most of them were standing up. It's like an underwater forest. The remaining trees formed a gigantic floating log mat on the top. And because they're constantly bobbing and banging into one another, it caused them to shed their bark and remaining branches. And this caused a remarkable phenomenon as it floated down. The falling sheets of bark, branches and, and root materials intermingled with volcanic sediments and started forming a layer of peat more than a meter thick with kind of a coarse compositional texture and, and a layered appearance looking specifically like certain other coal beds found in eastern United States. So the takeaway point is this. Coal beds can form very rapidly during catastrophic deforestation uh, events in a very short time. And the great deluge recorded in Genesis 6 to 9, the flood, certainly would have destroyed the earth's forest very quickly, resulting in huge log mats that would have supplied tons of bark, branches, and other woody matter that sank and provided the raw materials to form earth's coal layers. So again, based on observational evidence, there's no reason to think that coal must have formed over long ages. Okay, well, what's number six? It's speedy speciation. Now, based on the biblical account of the dispersion of creatures on board after the ark landed following Noah's flood, creationists have long held to the idea of rapid speciation. You see, creationists realized that there must be inbuilt mechanisms that could allow creatures to adapt and change in response to their environment over relatively short periods of time. Of course, this was held to by creationists long before, you know, specific details regarding DNA or epigenetics, for example, were discovered because it would account for how a relatively small number of kinds of animals that got off the ark could have diversified into the millions of variations that we, you know, of each kind that we see today. Now, creationists often describe um, speciation as just variations within the created kind. However, speciation is sometimes difficult to define, especially when communicating between the creationist and the evolutionary community, and sometimes even within them, respectively. In a general sense, a species is just a group of organisms in nature which can interbreed and do not naturally and freely interbreed with another. 
To quote the evolutionary source uh, PBS Evolutionary Library, their FAQ page, it says, the evolutionary process of speciation is how one population of a species changes over time to the point where that population is distinct and can no longer interbreed with the parent population. Evolutionists, of course, hold to a millions of year time scale. And so it's until fairly recently, rapid speciation, um, well, that was that was largely scoffed at by that community. Most early Darwinists generally assumed that it would, well, it would take vast periods of time for any kind of new species to develop. However, rapid speciation has recently been observed in a wide variety of creatures, basically in real time. And as a matter of fact, a major scientific conference on speciation held in uh, Asilomar, California in May of 1996, showed several examples of speciation occurring not only rapidly, but even without any kind of barriers between groups. And this, this is known as uh, sympatric speciation. It's showing that a population may split up into two species, even while living in the same area with no separation or physical barriers. Of course, speciation is not evolution in the grand sense, because what we observe is kinds of creatures diversifying into variations of the same kind. So what we see is fruit flies turn into fruit flies <laughs> and moths turn into another variation of moth. But this is simply utilizing different combinations of the pre-existing or damaged versions of genetics that are already present in the creatures. So that's not evolution from one kind into another. From mice to mosquitoes, flies to finches, lizards, daisies, butterflies, and many other creatures, speedy speciation is now accepted as common. So there's no reason not to accept the biblical account or to assume that long ages are required for speciation to occur. So the next time somebody mentions long ages, especially a Christian, Ask them why they believe in that concept and perhaps share this um, video with them. Point them to God's word as the lens from which to look you, uh, through and to view God's world and remind them of the damage that belief in long ages does to the gospel and the concept of biblical authority. There's absolutely no reason not to trust what scripture clearly states. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and in all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus 20, 11. As always, if you're appreciating the content here, please visit the AnswersInGenesis.ca website. There's tons of articles, tons of videos, some great stuff there to uh, continue your apologetics education. And of course, you've got all sorts of buttons and, and different things that you can press and click and, and uh, help to support our ministry. And we'd really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Perhaps share this video with somebody because it's probably the, the best thing that you could do to help us continue to do outreach. So until next time, I'm Cal Smith. Blessings to you and yours. Mm -hmm.